This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Walpole Golfing Trousers. Do you swing your club both ways? Are you hitting your balls too straight? Try Walpole brand golfing trousers with an extra taut gusset for those tight spots. Mr. Brandon, are you free? And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Matter, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Yay. Gladys. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, uh, Gladys. She's back. Oh, she says she missed us. She's back out of the Bell Hospital? Yes. She had a couple <laughs> dings. She had to get hammered out. She didn't want to tell anyone, but oh, well, there goes the secret. Well, we've had uh, quite a bit of action in the podcastosphere, have we not, Mr. Jeff? We have indeed, Mr. Brandon. Everyone really <laughs> seems to have enjoyed our episode that was broadcast live on Broadcast Live. That was taped live <laughs> at MadamCon. Yeah, taped live in a studio audience of two. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have to uh, tell our background check company to just calm the fuck down, people. Thousands wanted in, and only two passed the background check. So <laughs> we're going to have to talk with some people and... Make some heads roll. But yeah, yeah. Madam Khan was exciting. Um, Manhattan, Mississippi. Um, as you may have heard, we had a thunderstorm lightning shower situation we had to deal with. But we were flexible because we both do yoga. <laughs> and we made it work. So what new super fans did we meet uh, at Madam Khan, Mr. Jeff? So we'd like to thank Mr. Matt and Mr. Chris once again for joining us at Madam Khan. Uh, Matt left us a great message on our Facebook page um, uh, about and retweeted the uh, episode, uh, and we think that we've converted a new fan one in Mr. Chris, who hadn't uh, watched the show before. Yeah, the poor thing. He was like this really sweet guy, and he was like, my boyfriend got me into this Dragged me. And... <laughs> Dragged me from Pennsylvania. Well, he wasn't wearing a wig. But, um, uh, yeah, like, he, he didn't really know much about already being served, and... I think we just bullied him enough <laughs> so that he, okay, yes, I like this show, guys. Can I, Can you leave me alone now? But, yeah, so no, the, those, those two guys were super sweet, Mr. Christopher and Mr. Matthew, so thanks for, for joining us. And um, we had some people, uh, we had this nice fella in Scotland and uh, a couple people in Iowa and California and folks around the world who wanted to come. Who couldn't make it to Mississippi. You know, and because of COVID and the thunderstorm, you know, maybe next time. It would have been just as well um, waiting for next time. But, um, yeah, but it was great. So thanks for everyone. And you've all done very well. Yeah. You know who else has done well, Mr. Brandon? It's who all of that? our new Facebook fans. Oh, yes. Amanda, Tom, Jeff, Aaron, Jason, Hal, Gary, Thurston Howell III, which I think might be a pseudonym. Oh, love it. Uh, Joe, Samuel, Randall, Ali, Ken, Ian, Emma, Trevor, and Randy. You've all done very well. Thanks for joining us on the pod. And the skipper, too. I don't know <laughs> what's that about, but that's, that's fun. Uh, we did hear some, uh, some hellos from Twitter. Um, in fact, just today we had uh, the lovely Mr. or Ms. Uh, Field T-Mouse call our show entertaining and enlightening in equal measure. Wow. And I thought that was poetic, so thank you for that. Um, they mentioned that they agree with everyone, well, especially you, <laughs> that <laughs> the um, middle years of the show of Are You Being Served is the best. The latter yep. and the beginning years are not the greatest. And they have the idea that perhaps the budget at the last couple of seasons um, contributed to perhaps maybe it being a little bit less endearing and they had like they relied a bit more on sets and stuff maybe yeah, it's interesting oh thought. that is a really interesting idea yeah. because um in the later seasons they leave the floor a lot more they go up to the roof um yeah. they go to the restaurant in um in, in that episode where they uh captain peacock pretends to be the the army guy and oh, humphreys yeah. is the priest yeah so yeah, that's a really good um thought thanks field mouse yeah. Um, 
So um, if you'd like to help increase the popularity of our podcast, please go onto your podcast app and give us a five-star review and let us know what you think of the show because it helps disseminate the show and maybe one day get us a sponsor again. Yeah. If you like us, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, and leave a, um, a lovely review. That's lovely. And uh, as we always say, uh, wear a mask, um, wash your hands. And Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And the yeah. Delta thing is kind of getting crazy, y'all. So go get your vaccinations. Yeah, so. please do. So those of you who have been vaccinated, you've all done very well. Yes. And those of you who have not, bad. Um, okay, so, like, what else can you say? Um, so, the lovely listeners are listening to this podcast for a very specific reason. Right. Are you being served? So, tell us what we're listening to today, Mr. Jeffrey. Tonight, we're going to talk about Series 9, Episode 3, Memories Are Made of This. And it originally premiered on... Who am I on to disagree? May 6th, 1983. Well done. <laughs> um, Your rhythmics. And that week in the news... Um, on the Billboard 100 chart at the top was Beat It by Michael Jackson. Who? No comment. Who's and that? at the top of the UK singles chart was True by Spandau Ballet. Um, I think these two songs were on the chart the last time that we were in season nine. Yeah, they, um, they lasted a while. True is a, a fabulous a uh, karaoke song. So if you're ever in a karaoke booth, type up True. If you've got that, that high voice, I could, I could never. Because, you know... First of all, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but with songs that are in a lower register, I could probably make my way through. Like, like if you think Ring of Fire. Automatic burn, by the Pointer burn, Sisters. Burn. Yeah, or the Pointer Sisters. Those are the same thing. <laughs> oh my God. Ruth Pointer had a very deep voice. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Yes. What um, else was going on in the 6th of May, 1983? It was the last episode of Laverne and Shirley on ABC. Oh, potato, potato, something, something no. incorporated. Schlemiel, Schlemazel, Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated. Oh, yes. Right. And I, I think that, you know, Laverne and Shirley was a spinoff of Happy Days. And I think that they, they had their own jump the shark moment when the girls moved to California. And everyone moved to California with them, right? The, the pop from the pizza bowl, Lenny and Squiggy, like... What? It was yeah. Don't you remember? Like they moved. They moved to L.A. I didn't really watch Hollywood. the show, but that's almost like I'm trying to think of the equivalent. That's like Friends moving to Miami, <laughs> or something. Just like what? Well, I mean, a, a lot of the friends on Friends had paying, well-paying jobs. Laverne and Shirley worked in a beer factory. How oh, could the they save the up? Union. Right? Yeah, yeah where okay. they could just like save up. And anyway, all right. Um, also that week, uh, Lee Chin Young uh, performed 170 continuous chin-ups in Seoul, and 11 years later, he would do 612. Was it um, an Olympic-y kind of thing? It wasn't an Olympic thing. I think he was going for a Guinness Book of World Records, but uh. he was disqualified, <gasps> if I remember correctly, from what our research department in northern Mississippi mm. tells me. They do a very um, good job. Because the timing of his continuous chin-ups wasn't um, as swift as the Guinness people would have liked. But enough snatch about chin-ups. That, snatch that trophy away from him. Yeah. Enough about chin-ups. Let's talk about Grace Brothers. <laughs> yes. Too much chin-up, less, not enough, Mr. Grace. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, all right. So we have a new episode. So last one, on, if you're following along on the podcast, last episode we jumped to season 10. For the fan favorite, for um, the, the hold, hold up, up, right? But now we've gone back in time to season nine to pick up where we left off and what happens when this show starts. So Mr. Harmon is setting up the center display stand, which we haven't seen in a while, have we, Mr. Brandon? We haven't. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yes. He's Very setting unusual. it up with some sporting equipment because the whole sports department has come down with the flu. And Peacock um, wants more money from Mr. Rumbold for knowing the products because he's got to direct people to uh, where the products are located. Um, That's funny. And Mr. Rumbold denies him that because, well, do you know what a ba- do you know what a bat looks like? Do you know what a tennis <laughs> racket looks like? Then you're fine. Yeah, these days it's um, just like, oh, we're just going to give you more and more and more and more and more things to do, not pay you any more money, and you're just grateful for that job. Right. 
Um, what Mr. Harmon is putting up is putting up a distance meter. So he's putting down a little bit of artificial turf and a distance meter for the golf pro to demonstrate his swing. And it's in the exact spot where Captain Peacock usually stands. So him being a creature of habit, he does not like this whatsoever. And of course, with this, this show, as we've learned, Grace Brothers is a microcosm. Mm-hmm. And it's all about stratification of uh, class and, mm-hmm. and power. And Captain Peacock's power comes from that little spot that he stands in in right. every episode. And he kind of like as a hawk and kind of looks left and looks right and makes sure no one's, you know, mucking about or anything. Pilfering the panties. Mm, yes. Uh, yeah. So suddenly someone is essentially infringing upon his territory. Um, so he takes it offensively, which is something that character definitely would do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we cut over to Mr. Rumble's office, and he's dictating to Ms. Belfridge, who's seated on his desk. And we get the lovely old joke, ladies' underwear have been steady, although men's trousers have been down. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we heard this joke in the very first episode. Yeah, I was about and to I, just say the same thing. Yeah, that's like a very first episode kind of a joke. And I think it was right. Mr. Granger who said it. Yeah, and it's come back several times since then, but it's always nice to hear the old favorites, right? (laughs) The the classics. So the ladies and gent staff come in to see Mr. Rumble because they also back up Captain Peacock about wanting more money for knowing the product. And we see that Mrs. Slocum's hair is a lovely shade of blue. And it's not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's not cerulean. It's actually cobalt. I would have said azure, but I'll go with cobalt (laughs) as well. Uh, the staff don't want to sell the sporting goods either, um, and Mrs. Silkham wants to know about the fur coat that um, was supposed to be on the center displacement that was due to be marked down on sale. Well, it's been taken out of stock and is going to be sold to another branch. <gasps> and she had her eye on that, and she was so excited, For weeks. and it offends For everyone. Weeks, right? So this is a trope we've seen a couple of times where that they know that there's a piece of merchandise that's due to go on sale and they've got yep. their eyes on it to set ahead of time. But this is going to be an important plot point later on. Um, once the ladies and Mr. Humphreys realize that Mr. Walpole, the good-looking man with the <gasps> lovely <gasps> smile, will be on their floor, they change their mind. Because is it that Mr. He's Walpole such a- from Spores that has that lovely smile? Right. He's such a pleasure to be around. They all have a little crush on him. They change their mind. It'll be a pity if Mr. Walpole had nowhere to demonstrate his equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Don't they wish? Uh, It's interesting because the women just instantly start fawning. Of course, enter Mr. Walpole, who is the uh, descendant of the man who started Walpole uh, Golfing Trousers, our sponsor. (laughs) Yeah. He's yeah. played by Jess Conrad, and he went on to star in one episode of uh, Last of the Summer Wine, oh. uh, which is a show that many of our fans have suggested we check out. Yeah, yeah, um, indeed. And what's cool about it is this episode, I, I think we've said it in a couple episodes before, um, it seems that as, this, as the seasons grow, it's almost as if Mr. Humphreys' character can be a little bit more less vague about being gay. Mm-hmm. Right. So That's I expected, true. yeah, I expected when Miss Brahms and Mrs. Slocum started like ogling Mr. Walpole, I thought Mr. Humphreys would say something quite o- overt about thinking he's dishy, but he didn't. He just said, do I look okay? Which is kind of subdued, I think, but I was kind of disappointed. He didn't say, um, you know, Miss Brahms would say, oh, he's got a lovely smile. Miss, Mrs. Slocum would say, and he's so, f- he's so good looking. And then one, two, three, comic beat, Mr. Humphreys would say, and he's got ever so nice nails or something. <laughs> but he didn't, and I wish he did. But, yeah. oh well. So, Mr. Walpole comes out on the floor, and Mr. Humphreys recognize him. You know, they nod to each other in passing, so he begins to talk to him. Which means they're good friends in Grace Brothers. Right, in, in <laughs> British classic, classic society. Yeah. And so, he starts to teach Mr. Humphreys how to swing his hips in order to get... Um, in order to hit the ball properly, and Humphrey mm. starts mimicking him. Mrs. Slocum skips over to him. And she's, <laughs> she's trying to make herself younger than she is, she's and she so skips cute. over to him. And, uh, you know, Miss Brahms gets introduced as well. Did you notice that Mr. Walpole rolled his eyes when they all turned their backs? No. Yes, he rolled his eyes and, like, gave a little exasperated sigh to himself. I guess he's used to everyone he, in the store so falling over just, him. Yeah, he, that happens to him every day. Right. Oh boy. So Captain Peacock comes over, and he's completely disinterested because he's standing in his spot. 
And he shakes his hand like a wet dish rag. Like, he only gives his fingers. He doesn't give the whole hand with yeah, the wrist. Yeah. And he's very standoffish, giving one-word responses. And eventually, he, um, Mr. Walpole talks Captain Peacock into having a swing on the golf. You know, you look like you're a seasoned golfer. Surely a man with your athletic build knows his way around a golf club, knows immediately how to get into, how to crack Captain Peacock's rough <laughs> buttering exterior. Buttering him up. By buttering up and complimenting yeah. him, right? I'm surprised. Um, I've been watching so much Benidorm lately. I'm surprised no one made a joke about being a swinger. <laughs> you know, like Jacqueline and Donald Stewart. Oh, we're, That's true. We are members of the, what's, what's that swinging association? The Middlesbrough, M- Middlesbrough Swingers Association. <laughs> if you don't watch Benidorm, you need to go do it. Do you know what the international symbol for swingers is? A golf club? No. Oh, no. It is a piece of produce. Ooh. Kumquat. I don't know. (laughs) What? It's a pineapple, specifically an upside-down pineapple. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) So if you, like, what swingers used to do in the 70s is when, like, they'd cruise the supermarket. And what they'd do is they'd put a pineapple in their cart upside down. (gasps) And that would be a signal to other people. This is so Tales of the City right now. Right? That they are up for it. And so every time that I see, like, a company's logo that has a pineapple in it for some reason, like Williams-Sonoma, I'm like, is this because they make, like, expensive cutlery for swingers? Like, is there a, is there a connection? Is there I'm an upside-down for- piano? A piano. <laughs> is, there an, <laughs> is there an upside-down pineapple on their logo? It's, it's a regular, it's an, a right-side-up pineapple. Oh. But, but I, I'm, like, looking for pine, I, pineapples everywhere once I figure this out. Ooh, I like right? it. I mean, it's such a 70s thing. Of course, they didn't have the internet or whatever, but how right. are we going to find each other? We're going to, which, which produce item could we turn upside down in the supermarkets? Well, it's kind of like uh. the straight version of the hanky code. Um. How, like, how gay men in the 70s, I mean, the, the practice still exists today, but in the 70s, they would put something in their rear jeans pockets to indicate that they were looking for a sexual partner. Like, if you put your keys on the left side, you were the active partner. And if you put your keys on the right side, you were the passive partner. I assume that means they like to kiss on the first date or not kiss on the first date. That's You're what so those, innocent. That's I'm exactly sure that's what, what that those means. things meant. Right. The straight, we have to remember we have straight people listen to this. And, you know, <laughs> not, not much, I don't think. <laughs> hey, girls. <laughs> So anyway. back, on, back on the floor, Mrs. Slocum is bent down looking at the meter right in the path of the golf ball on a string. So Peacock tells her to get out of the way Not and she safe, runs over to the gentleman's counter for safety. Yeah. Peacock takes a practice swing and then takes a real swing. The golf ball comes off the string, knocks Slocum on the head, and <laughs> she falls backwards. She does a really good physical comedy bit yeah, yeah, about yeah. falling and fainting here, right? I have to say, I like before... Um, you know, they actually do the swing and hit Mrs. Slocum and the, the hilarity ensues. I like how he does a practice swing and everyone gives a polite and golf little, claps. A little they golf They do the clap. golf clap, yeah. Oh my God. And so then, fun. after the ball hits her on the head and they pick her up so she's back in view, we get the lovely television trope of her having amnesia. <laughs> Who are you? Where am I? Right, asking all of these questions. But she does it in this cute little voice like, what am I doing here? Like, no little girl sounds like that. But It sounds like the woman who gives her vital statistics oh, back yes. in um, season one. I, it's interesting. But, of course, again, as we've said, uh, Molly Sugden can do a good voice. She can act drunk. Um, the best episodes are when she's drunk and doing a funny voice. Yeah, exactly. You know? So this is a <laughs> when she's giving her slurs. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to get ahead of the episode. This is not one of my favorite ones, but <gasps> I know the, grab your grab your pearls. But this is, I think, without Mrs. Slocum, Molly Sugden's acting, um, and the ability of her as an actor. Remember, this is season nine, people. Like most, sh- this is almost running twice as long as the average show in the UK. So these mm-hmm. people are like. Here's a present from the writers. You get to pretend you're six years old in this episode. How fun must that have been for Molly Sefton? I I don't think any other character could have pulled it off. 
No, absolutely. Be, absolutely. Not because of, you know, what the, the joke is at the punchline at the very end, but also being able to pull off that childlike character. And the fact that she is so regal and I'm head of ladies intimate apparel, you know, right. like the only other person that would have been more funny to, to funnier to see that would be Captain Peacock. Right. What if he was like yes. a little boy? Like, like when he comes in his, his little Lord Fauntleroy outfit with the, yeah, um, yeah, the Knickerbockers. He, um, the kids right? episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a really cool one. So I think, anyway, my, my point is Molly Sugden, Mrs. Slocum, being six years old, saves the episode. I agree. I agree with that. Um, the staff doesn't really understand what's happening, and they're trying to ask her questions. <laughs> you know, they realize that she's had, like, a knock to the head and might be disoriented. Yeah. But um, finally Captain Peacock asks her who the, the prime minister, and she answers Mr. Chamberlain. And they all gasp. They realize what's going on. She thinks that she's a child. So that must be before um, Churchill. Yeah. Neville Chamberlain had to be before Churchill because Mrs. Silken was born in 28 or so. So she would have been a child in the 30s. So, yeah. That must yeah, have it's easy that. to think about British prime ministers. I always know Churchill was World War II. And then she was old enough to be flown on her back and clap on common. <laughs> by an American soldier, so we know that she wasn't sick. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. They get Mr. Walpole to help her off the counter, and then Miss Brahms takes her into the fitting room. Well, let's go see who's in the listening corner today. So that was actually a reference. Yeah, because the, the, the audience laughed at that yeah, line, yeah, yeah. I figured it out to be a reference to something. So there was a radio program for children, which ran from 1950 to 1982, called Listen With Mother. Okay. And they'd read, like, you know, childhood stories. And that was one of the opening lines of the show, was let's go see who's in the listening corner today. Oh, cute. I think it's very similar to some of the prompts that we had in our childhood shows, like Romper Room, you know, uh, Romper Bumper, Domper Boo, let's see who's looking at you or whatever that is. Are you feeling okay? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you, 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 see, you saw the rom- Romper Room growing up. They had to no, have that. no. You never had Romper Room. I'm quite young. Oh, my goodness. It's young. not to do with young. It's because it's you grew up in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. <laughs> Maybe. So um, Romper Room was a syndicated show, and it started in New York, and they did broadcast the New York version nationally on some shows, but every major market had their own Romper Room, and what they do is they bring in local kids, like four, five, six years old, and... Um, they'd do like they'd sing songs and they'd play and you know, learn the ABCs. And Cute. one of the one of the um, continuing things that happened on every episode at the very beginning, or it was either at the beginning or the end, was when the presenter in the New York area it was Miss Molly would hold up this hand mirror. I remember. And, yeah, we've talked about that on the right, show before. Right. Because that's why I feel like I do when I'm welcoming all the uh, Facebook fans. <laughs> yeah. I see Allie and Gary and Thurston Howell the Third, right? Right. Um, and in the Magic Garden too. That was another show that had a lot of those recurring things where they'd welcome the children with the same like welcome song or whatever. Yeah, right? it didn't have that one. Maybe in Arkansas, it was just like we're happy to have Sesame Street and we're not going to complain. <laughs> I don't know. I want to go back to um, the fact that you know it's like a PBS thing and. And each one had its own kind of thing. I don't know if it was on it PBS wasn't, it, or not. It, no, Romper Room wasn't on PBS. In, in the New York area, it was on Channel 9, which was an independent station. So okay. I don't think it was network. I think it was all independent. But it was interesting. Um, you know, shows that did it. it made me think about how each PBS station specifically, like that's how we all kind of our lives intertwined with Are You Being Served. And we mentioned Field T Mouse on Twitter. Say Go say hello to to uh, our new friend there. Um, and they mentioned that they watched uh, Are You Being Served on PBS in Indiana. And um, the two guys at MadamCon watched it in um, Arizona and um, Pennsylvania, I think. So, yeah. and, like, everyone we speak to, they all watch Are You Being Served uh, because they all happen to be American except our friend um, in Australia. Um, uh, the 25% of our audience that is not from America. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I have to say, I think the UK has been ticking up. So hello, oh. British people. Um, but I also want to go back to when you said uh, Mr. Walpole uh, pick, helped Mrs. Slocum down off the cabinet. It was Pay much more cute. That. It was much more cute because... I think was it Captain Peacock or, or Mr. Humphreys was going to help her off the counter. And, and they, she chose him. And she yeah. said, no, 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 I don't want you to do it. I want him to do it. 
and pointed to Mr. Walpole because she has a crush on him. It's so cute because that's what a little girl or a little boy would do. If they have a crush on somebody, they want help from that person so they can just mm-hmm. be next to them, right? It's so cute. And then, of course, she's like hugging on him and it's really sweet. Yeah. So indeed. cute. <laughs> so let's talk about amnesia for a minute. Surprise, surprise, folks. It doesn't, it rarely happens like it does on TV, right? I think we've all grown up with the TV shows and seeing this time and time again. Well, that's disappointing, Where people get Jeff. amnesia. <sighs> it's one of those things like quicksand that's not a problem in your everyday life as much as you thought it would be <laughs> from what you saw on television. Yeah. Um, amnesia comes from the Greek words for without memory. And its use in popular culture started with the Irish poet, um, uh, Irish writer Samuel Beckett. You mean that nice it, Mr. Beckett in sport, Sporting Goods? <laughs> um, who used it as a theme in one of his in one of his um, uh, one of his uh, plays, and I think that it got repeated. I think where it really started to pick up uh, in television was on Gilligan's Island. I feel like and ev- Quicksand, I bet. Right. I feel like each of the seven <laughs> of them got hit on the head with a coconut at one point. <laughs> I was going to say, and maybe they went amnesia. to the coconut islands uh, with their wife <laughs> on holiday with and Mr. Crumbold. Yeah. Oh God. Um, so the, the staff agree that they've got to keep this away from Rumble. They don't want him to know because then he'll have to take an inquiry and she'll recover from it soon because most cases of amnesia are readily solved. Yes. So why don't we head on down to the canteen uh, for a tea break and then find out what's happened with little Betty, age six. I'm parched and I heard they have a sale on jelly. So we will be (laughs) right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. And we're back from the canteen. I had a uh, plate of custard, uh, but sadly someone snatched it out of my hand and threw it against the wall. <laughs> what did you have, Mr. Jeff? I had some Ribena squash, which was not diluted enough. Was that like was... part of a Thanksgiving meal casserole or something? No, it's a black currant drink that oh, we don't have squash. here in the States. What is squash? <laughs> Explain to the people. So, uh, I think we've talked about squash before, but um, in the UK, they don't have a lot of, like, fruit-flavored drinks like we do, like Hawaiian Punch, uh, et cetera, that are ready-made. Instead, what they have is this concentrate that you dilute with water, um, and it's a little bit healthier, but it's basically, you know, what kids drink, and it's an alternative <laughs> to, to soda, and it's called squash. Um, and what a, a very popular flavor for um, squash and jellies is black currant, and we don't have that in the states because naturally black currant carries um, Dutch elm disease. I know those poor elms, the Dutch ones anyway. Yeah, and uh, elms aren't really <laughs> that big of a tree in England, so not a problem for them, but a problem for us. <laughs> no. Meanwhile, we will muddle through without our black currants somehow. <laughs> uh, so where were we in the episode? So there is a new customer over on the gents counter. He's looking for some fly fishing gear because remember the sports department oh, is relocated yes. here. So this fisherman is played by Ballard Berkeley and he's better known as Major Gallen on Faulty Towers. Yes, I kept expecting him to say, how, how are you, Faulty? <laughs> <laughs> if you've not seen Faulty Towers... Um, it's on BritBox, so if you're watching Are You Being Served on BritBox, 
one, you should just invest in it because it's eight bucks a month or whatever. Um, there's only like a dozen shows, episodes. There's, there's two seasons and each one has six episodes. You can get it like two days. It's such good fun. If you like Are You Being Served, um, Faulty Towers, so good. And you see a lot of like the random customer actors in Are You Being Served also in Faulty Towers, don't you? They pack a lot into those 12 episodes, don't they? They do. It's jam-packed <laughs> full of people. <laughs> so we get, uh, we get some good um, one-liners out of The Fisherman. Um, he's, looking for, um, he's looking for bait uh, uh, for his fly fishing, and he says, I'm afraid I can't do my own flies anymore. <laughs> Mr. Right. Humphrey says, well, I can't leave my, my – I can't, I can't help you with that. I can't leave my counter. <laughs> Like, he needed help to, for him to go to the men's room and zip up his fly. Right. Mm. Um, I have a bank on the Avon. Where do you go? Nat West. I like the security. <laughs> and Nat West is a very popular national bank. Right. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a bank there. Um, so, uh, Betty is over the shock, but she's changed into a younger person's clothes. And then we get the reveal of her on a scooter coming onto the floor to wild applause. And she's in blonde ringlets, pink ribbons in her hair, a baby doll dress, and Mary Jane's. Yeah, the fact that, like, she thinks that she's six, yet somehow she puts on a little girl's wig. You just have to remember it's a TV show, it's a comedy, and right. it's fun. And you can't think about it too much, which I know sometimes is a difficult issue for you, Mr. Jeffrey. But I hope you were able to... Just to spend disbelief. I was. Well, here's the thing that that got me a little bit is that I wasn't sure if she was trying to play like a 90s raver at the limelight or G.A.Y. Because that kind of fashion would have been (laughs) right in style with anyone going to a nightclub in like 1996. Um, Um, But yeah, it was pretty cute. It's 1983, but I see that was a good joke. Nice visual joke for our audio medium. It would be interesting to see Mrs. Slocum at a rave, at a, at a nightclub. Mr. Humphreys I can see any day. We, well, we've seen him returning from the nightclub several times the morning after, the night before. Oh, yes. The roller yeah. disco with all the little lights. That's right. Yeah. Um, we cut down to the canteen, and Betty hasn't had her lunch yet, but everyone else is finishing up. And so uh, we say that we're going to get some uh, uh, some nice jokes here. She you know shows uh, Captain Peacock nice clean handy pandies because she's, she's lost so her hand, cute. right? Yeah. And rather than ordering food, she orders her pudding right away. I want jelly. Um, Let's let Mr. Jeff do a voice. All that's offered today are sponge and custard or apricot tarts. And uh, what does she say? If I don't get some jelly, I make myself sick. <laughs> okay, so what is jelly, what is sponge, and what is custard? Because we Yanks, we don't understand what any of those things are. We know they're all probably sweet, but we have no idea what they are. Okay, so custard is, according to Mrs. Slocum's recipe, <laughs> made with uh, real British cream, fresh laid eggs, real Costa sugar. There's, some, there's one more Fresh ingredient. creamy milk. Casta sugar. Fresh fresh laid 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 eggs. eggs, And there's one more ingredient. I think you're thinking of monosodium glutamate, which is what was the other one. (laughs) Maybe. Um, So so custard is very similar to what we would call pudding, what Americans would call pudding, but it's a little bit more eggy. Like you think think about um, flan, uh, maybe a little bit less set, right, with a a pudding-like texture. Yeah, it's very weird. Is. When I was in the UK, uh, custard was sort of like seen as a kid's dessert because it's, it's if you have like uh, jello pudding, right, that like you can eat with a spoon, it's almost for kids because you don't have to chew it. It's like super it, simple. Right. It's like for little kids, they can deal with it. Um, so custard is sort of what that is. But yeah, it's like sugar, eggs, milk and probably a little butter and you kind of cook it very slowly and it's this lovely thing but it's weird too because pudding in the UK means dessert means dessert in general right <laughs> so confusing so um, sponge there means sponge cake right yeah and they, they, they freaking love here. it over there they do and when they say jelly they mean what we call jello or gelatin yeah because the thing that you spread on bread is jam or preserves or marmalade 
up is down, down is up in the UK. <laughs> right. I was just going to say. Um, the canteen manageress is back, and um, Captain Yay! Peacock warns her about the situation. You know, she's not feeling quite well. She's not feeling herself. We've got to be very patient with her. Mm-hmm. And we see the canteen manageress take a very polite tone, especially because she sees that she's like dressed like a little girl. But Betty's throwing bread rolls at her to get her <laughs> to get her goat right. And then she says, "You know, our strike has over. We've gotten the wages we want." Unionization worked for us, so I, I'm a happy person. If only we were all unionized, Mr. Jeff, we would all be if like only, that woman. Right. And so she agrees to get Betty her jelly because she understands, you know, she, she's not feeling well. Um, Betty starts blowing bubblegum at the table, and Humphreys reprimands her. He is a very, very stern um, uh, authority figure. Do you think at children. the clubs they call him Papa Humphreys? <laughs> and he tells her to spit it out, and she taunts back, shant. <laughs> which I think is hysterical because, first of all, we don't have that word in the U.S. We don't have a contraction for shall not, shan't, yeah, yeah. right? Certainly not one that a child would use. So she shan't. Have you ever heard of daren't? No. Maybe it's a Yorkshire thing, but dare Yorkshire. not. Daren't? I daren't, I daren't put the plug in a hole. <laughs> I mean, I won't, I won't close the door. I daren't have some chicken and cork. What? <laughs> That's Manchester. Right, that's the that's how um, uh, Jimmy Carr does a Manchester accent, chicken and coke, for chicken and coke. So he's trying to say chicken and coke. And he says chicken right. coke, chicken coke. <laughs> it sounds almost Scottish. Yeah. Anyway, what what are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> um, so Mr. Humphreys tells her to spit out the gum on a count of three, and when she doesn't, he slaps her wrist and tells her to leave the table. Oh. Which is very surprising for me. I thought he'd be very more. I thought he'd be very um, catering and pandering to. Well, the when child. Captain Peacock says, "Just give in to her," he says, "You're going to raise a brat if you keep it up with like that." <laughs> that you know, he's 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 at it for the long term, right? And <laughs> then Betty Betty starts to cry, and Mrs. Slocum gives a great Lucy-esque cry. I think it is um, a thing Lucy to behold. Ball, yeah. A thing to behold when an actress can cry like Lucy. Um, <laughs> Magda Zubanski on who plays Sharon on Kath and Kim uh-huh. does a really good job of giving oh a comedic God, cry. Oh my God, it's so good. Just right? randomly just like starts right. bursting into tears. She just bursts tears. into tears. <laughs> she shouts. Her face is all distorted. She's so good. Um, there was an episode of Will and Grace where they were all playing different uh, I Love Lucy characters and Deborah Messing yeah, I was, gonna was say. the Lucy character. And she did a decent job. Like you could obviously tell that she was being Lucy. Yeah. But um, definitely fourth rate um, behind Molly Sugden and Magda Zabanski. So. These words are the exclusive words only, Mr. Chef, and not, not necessarily <laughs> right. reflect the kind of uh, the podcast or Mr. Brandon. So where are we next, Mr. Chef? Moving right along. Uh, they're still at the dinner table. Um, lunch. Sorry. Lunch. <laughs> and um, Lucy asks, uh, Lucy, Betty asks for a riddle. <laughs> I want the riddle. And Peacock is all confused, and it took me a while to figure out why he was confused. You know, later on, it's like, oh, you wanted me to tell you a joke. Okay. Yeah, I don't um, get that. From what I can gather, I think riddle also means to have your hair braided or have your hair plated. And so he, really? he, he was, she was asking Captain Peacock to braid her hair, and of course, someone of his age at that time would not know how to braid hair. Of course. Right? And so... Um, <laughs> They, she, they give the riddle, what goes up a chimney down, but won't go down a chimney up. And Brahms solves it before Betty has a <gasps> chance to, and she bursts into tears again. So we get that, because it's it's already being served, and they have to repeat every good joke twice, Yes, she starts to cry again, right? Okay, hold on, let me work this out. What goes up a chimney down? How does an umbrella go up a chimney down? Oh, when, because the umbrella is down, because it's not when open. When it's taken down, it's not open. Oh, exactly. yeah. 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 Then they start to argue about who's going to take her home. Like, very similar to when they all had to make excuses for when she was having, um, I got squatters! I've got squatters in me flat! She had to stay on the fifth floor, right? Humphreys is the only one who knows how to discipline her and keep her in line, and she, he's the only one she'll listen to. Yeah. So they decide that if they if it, it comes to it, that he's going to be the one who takes her home. Um, 
she finally gets her jelly, but and Mr. Harmon comes out and he he's confused he because he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, I asked for jelly, but they said I can only have custard. And she goes, oh, that ice man wants some jelly. Here you go, and shoves it in his face. <laughs> so then we see the food uh, food fight start to uh, start. He takes the custard and goes to hit Mrs. Silken with it. She ducks, and the manageress gets it. The manageress loses her temper and then gets rumbled with another plate full of custard. And I was really wishing the entire cast would just start throwing food, but they didn't. No, it didn't. It didn't turn into like a Facts of Life era uh, style food fight. (laughs) And then they all just start going crazy. There's a really good episode of The Nanny in the first season where it's, um, I think, Gracie. No. What's the tall daughter's name? Anyway, the older daughter. Uh, it's her. Uh, the, uh, God, what is her name? Gracie? Gracie's the little girl. And the boy is Brixton? Brighton. No, Brighton. Maggie. 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 I had to right. say them all to think. Um, but I think it's her uh, honorary bat mitzvah or a coming out party or something. Her deb, yeah. Her de- yeah, exactly. And there's a food fight. And it's the funnest thing to see. Because you know the actors are actually having a lot of fun because they can right. only do it once. And the little kids are like, we're throwing food. We're being so naughty. And, like, they're actors, but they're little kids. So if you ever get to see it, it's a cute scene. Yeah. So because Rumbold was involved and, he, you know, they promised to keep a secret from him, he doesn't know what's going on either. Yeah. So they have to recount the whole story in Rumbold's office. Oh, God. I think this is the first time in the history of the show history where he's got the, the story correct. <laughs> Yeah, He's got yeah, all yeah. the facts right. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't screw anything up. Maybe it was like uh, t- t- it was close to going home time, and they're like, just let, let, he gets it this time. Okay, let's right. go. You know. So they wanted to bring in um, Mrs. Slocum so that she he can uh, inspect her and figure out if she knows to go to a hospital or whatever. Well, where is she? Well, she's out driving the golf cart around because again, it's the sporting it's department. The sporting goods is on department. The yeah. And so Rumble says he does a great setup. I don't care how you do it. I want her in here immediately. And on cue, she crashes through the wall in the golf cart. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those weird sitcom things where the action happened. Everyone claps and laughs. And then everyone just sort of stares at each other, waiting for, like, the thing to fade out. And it's just sort of a little awkward (laughs) for, like, one second. But we get a great parting line through the laughter from the audience where Miss, where Betty greets Mr. Rumbold. Hello, Big Ears, where's Naughty's house? And so I think we've got to explain this for our American friends because they wouldn't get this Well, joke. explain it to me because I don't know what a Naughty is. Is, that, is it like Blumange? It is not like Blumange at all. Um, naughty is a, child, uh, a child's book character. Oh. Um, so it, it's like... Not necessarily a fairy tale, but if you think of, like, maybe Corduroy or Clifford the Big Red Dog or Paddington, for example. Oh, okay. And, so, like, yeah. And and there's several books and several cartoons about him. And in the Naughty Universe, there is a character called Big Ears. That is the character. Oh, name. cute. Okay. Yeah, so that's why it is. <laughs> so we cut to the end of the day, and um, Betty's been sent out to the hospital and waiting for the hospital to call to find out what's going on with him. Yeah. Um, they've been operating for three hours. Well, what? we don't know that they've really had to have an operation. She's just been under observation for three hours. Okay. Um, they get a call. Mr. Humphreys answers. Menswear. Menswear. Um, they've lost her, he says. And they immediately think that she and died. And Miss Brown is like, Mrs. Slocum. Right. But it turns out that she fell off the trolley, hit her head again, and then ran off. They literally misplaced her. They misplaced the patient, right? <laughs> so stupid. The, the, lift, the lift doors open. The, lift, the bell rings and the lift doors and open. The, hold on. Let's go back before because you, you didn't mention that she fell and hit her head inside the ambulance, thus bringing her memory back. Oh, that's right. They, they, the nurse knew that or whoever called Mr. Humphreys yeah. knew that. Yeah. So they, they expect her that she's going to be in her right mind when she comes back. And so she comes back fully dressed in her uniform. She's no longer wearing the baby doll. Cobalt blue wig and everything. And she is upset. I've lost a whole day's commission. This was an industrial accident. I'll sue. I'll sue sue everybody. everybody, Right? Yeah. So Mr. 
Rumbold uh, finally realizes that he's going to be on the hook for it because he was the one who, he was in charge who uh, asked for the sporting equipment to be pl- dis- placed on the center stand yep. and didn't expect inspect it for faulty equipment. So he's trying to figure out what's going to make her um, happy, and she asks for the simulated p- puma that was on the center the dis- coat, display yeah. stand, the fur coat. Oh, it's very Betty Davis. Um, he's originally going to give it to her at a discount, but uh, she starts to fake symptoms again. She starts to, <laughs> so she oh, I feel very lightheaded. And Captain Peacock convinces him to give it to her for free. Yeah. I will say here that it's interesting that any time Mr. Humphreys talks about Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, like old vixens of the black and white silver screen, I think that's a very kind of a, a gay thing that's that's coding him as coding yeah i was gonna say because like old yeah. all, all gay men love betty davis and da 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 well and, all gay men are named mark rick or steve and they love track lighting and well i do i'm just gonna dim mine right now it's so nice uh rest in peace olympia dukakis yes yes indeed but yeah so i did that's that's him being coded as gay like oh it's very betty davis right so we learned that Mrs. Slocum was faking the entire time. Once Mr. Walpole picked her up off of the counter, she came to and realized what was going on. So she was speaking in that voice genuinely, the, yeah. well, the character was, because she thought she was six years old for a minute. Yeah. And then Mr. Walpole picked her up and she realized, I'm never going to get someone like me to buy him to buy me that fur oh, coat. And that's what made her come to. And so, so her this is all and, a ruse to get a free coat. All a ruse to get the free coat. Her, Mr. Humphreys, and Miss Lo- Miss Brahms skip up the stairs and head to the ice cream parlor for dinner. And there's your episode. Is this going to be the qu- the quickest podcast episode we've ever done? <laughs> it, it, it may have been. Is it, it twenty one minutes long? Like, <laughs> um, so you said that this you said earlier on that this wasn't one of your favorites. Yeah, I mean it's it's it's. It's, well, the one with the stupid monkey. That's just stupid. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it again but <laughs> coming up. But, yeah, this episode is just sort of like, okay, Mrs. Slocum does cute little baby things, and she's a little toddler girl, and she's so cute, and says so does a funny voice, and you know how much I love that. But there's really not much. I mean, of course, I love them, like, ogling Mr. Walpole. That's funny. So I'm going to break it down. Here's a couple of reasons why I don't think that this is um, a... That this is a mid-rate episode at best, right? Okay. Defend um, yourself. <laughs> there, no, no, I'm not defending myself. I'm, I'm, I'm arguing your point. Mm. Um, there, there's no B story here. It's all about Miss, Mrs. Slocum's amnesia, right? Because the whole sporting goods is just a setup for her to get the amnesia. That's, that storyline does not continue at all, except yeah. for the, fish, the fisherman, right? Um, there's no real conflict here because... The entire, um, the entire department is banded together to keep an eye on Little Betty, age six. So there's no real conflict for to build up the, the, the comedic drama and then resolve. You know, I, I, I love how we're like two nerds who like freak out about this silly show. And we invest so much time for this thing. And it's so easy for like two nerds to like say, this is what they should have done. However, I'm going to say that anyway. <laughs> um, I think it would be really cute to say to have like like you said like what's what's the drama what's the antagonist here what if it's the second day and she's still acting like this so then they have to try to somehow pull it over the the wool pull the wool pull the wool over mr um rumbold's eyes that she's really okay so that she has to like now interact with customers. I agree. I, I you're spot on, right? Right. I think if they had to like make six year old little you know little Betty age six pretend that she was an adult. Oh, were we playing mummies and daddies? Yeah, that would have like, been so much fun. Make her pretend to sell like brassiers. Like that would have been hysterical. Like you know to have her like sell underwear because of course a six year old is gonna giggle. <laughs> at the mention of underwear. Oh, you mustn't say knickers. That's rude. Yeah, it would have been really cute. And that would have given the drama that you talked about. The I, I, I Spot the, on. Spot on. I think that I would say? have I'm a, to that, right? I'm a TV script writer in my spare time. What are we going to talk about next week, Mr. Brandon? Oh, Lord. We're going to do Calling All Customers. This is the one where they advertise on the CB radio and Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Humphreys inexplicably mind you, are dressed up as uh, 1980s punk rockers. <laughs> I don't remember why, 
No, you're right. And you're they're right. just that dressed in like in crazy wigs with like mohawks and different colored hair. And I think Mr. Humphreys has like, he looks like he's in the Sex Pistols. Of course, this yep. is the era we're, we're in in London. Yeah. Right? This so. is, this is, this is, this isn't the height of punk. I think the height of punk was like around 79, 81. Mm. But punk is still very much a thing. I think we're evolving from like punk to skinheads now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I remember my grandfather had a CB radio, and I always thought it was kind of cool. Of course, you know, it's hard to remember those young'uns who have lived in the world of the Internet. But before the Internet, like, it was magic to be able to communicate with random people on a CB radio. So, like... I don't think I've ever talked on a CB radio. I think I've only ever seen it on television. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. And I can, I can see, like millennials or Gen Zers or whatever that have too much money and they're like, let's invest in an antiquated technology. And oh, that's, to- I'm surprised that that did not make a comeback during the pandemic when we were all maybe it did. Yeah. social distancing. But it's cool because a friend of mine's father um, was really big into CB radio and of course using a, a pretty simple uh, antenna array and kind of in moderately inexpensive equipment uh, in the 80s, you could talk to people in the UK in South Africa, like Australia, depending on the weather and blah, blah, blah. And right. at the time, that was magic, you know? That was really cool. So maybe, maybe, we should, maybe we should bring it back. We could, like, bring it back as, like, the analog chat roulette or the analog omegaly. You mean for the podcast? Like, do we want <laughs> – should we have, like, an already being served CB radio station? Where do you even get a CB radio? Well, I mean, like, now you just shoot them a get message Amazon. and it's, it's much more easy. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I mean, like, if we wanted to buy the equipment. <laughs> you know what? I bet if you go to eBay, I bet it's like, my oh, grandfather yeah. died, and here's a CB radio set up, and blah, blah, blah. And I think oh, you had yeah. to get a license from the government, and then you had a name. Oh, that's and... true. You do have to have a license for that. Yeah. Maybe that's why it didn't make a comeback. Anyway, hmm. um, if people wanted to get in touch with us, Mr. Brandon, can they do it over CB radio? What's your, what's well, your, not what's yet. Your handle? Maybe by next week we would have set it up. <laughs> but we'll have to watch the episode to get some pointers. But you can get in touch with us on Facebook. Twitter is at DoesSuitMadam with an E. You can send us an email, which is a lot more convenient than a CB radio message, um, at that DoesSuitMadam with an E at gmail.com. And you can call the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK. 662-732-2625. And with that, Mr. Jeff, as always, you've all done very well. That Dustin, Madam, is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? If alcoholism is the cause of amnesia, then abstinence, emotional support, and addressing dietary deficiencies are recommended.